And until we understand that, life is not going to make sense. Revelation 4, verse 11 of the Bible, you, God, you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. The only reason that you are alive is because God wanted you to be. When you were born, when you came out of your mother's womb, God was there in the room, smiling from ear to ear because he wanted you made. God smiled at your birth because he created you. You were created to be loved by God, but that's not the purpose of your life. That's the reason for your life, the reason you exist, but it's not the purpose. The purpose of your life is the flip side of that. God wants you to love him back. As much as he loves you, he wants you to love him back. One day Jesus was teaching in the temple and a religious expert came up and said, what's the most important command in all scripture? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandments. Notice the words first and greatest. God says, if you don't get anything else, here's what you're supposed to do in life. You're supposed to learn to love me back. Now, there's a word for this. It's the word worship. My purpose and your purpose is to worship God. It's your primary objective. It's your highest priority. Now, when I say the word worship, what do you think of? If I were to ask you to draw a picture of somebody in worship, you might draw a person of someone standing with one or both hands raised in the air, face turned upward, eyes closed, a rapturous expression on their face. There's a lot of ways to worship God. And we're going to look at them today. And we're going to do that by focusing our attention on two verses. One is Mark 12, 30, which I just quoted, where Jesus says, The greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is from our scripture reading that Del read just a few moments ago. Romans 12, verse 1. And that's when we'll start this, this. Let's read it again. Let's not. Oh, okay. Um, I'll read it for you. It's not in the sideshow. My mistake. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So worship is loving back. It's my response to God's love for me. In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves. You remember that it's not just God wants us to love him, but that he wants us to love him back. He loved us first. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners... Before we loved him, Christ died for us. It's God who took the initiative. In fact, that's what the whole first 11 chapters of Romans is about. And then in chapter 12, it says, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves. 
this offering of ourselves, this act of worship, is a response to God's mercy, his love demonstrated toward us. Worship is loving him back. And worship is giving back to God. We're offering ourselves to him, and whenever we offer something to God, it's called worship. Now the question is, when it says offer, what am I supposed to offer? I mean, what do we give to a God who has everything? He made the world, he made you, he made the universe. What do you give him? You give him yourself. And he's very specific about how to do that. So now let's go back to Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. God wants us to offer ourselves to love him in three ways. God wants you to love him passionately with all your heart and all your soul. God wants us to love him thoughtfully with your mind. And God wants us to love him practically with all your strength. Even though God created everything and created us, there are three things that we cannot have, he cannot have, unless we give them. The first is our affection. Our affection. This has to do with our emotions. And that's what's meant by loving God passionately with all our heart and soul. Worship is the expression of our affection to God. Now, for some of you, for some of us, this is difficult because you grew up in families that weren't real affectionate, weren't real expressive, didn't say, I love you a lot. Or maybe you're kind of the silent type. And you're going to have to grow to develop to say, I love you, God. Sometimes it's risky to say, I love you to someone. You lay your heart on the line and you aren't sure how you re responded to. And when you were in junior high, you never express a crush unless you got some signals first that they liked you too. To be the first to say, I like you or I love you is risky. But the neat thing is about God is that he's taken away the risk. God said, I love you first. He said it in a thousand ways. He created you. He sent his son to die for you. He's taking care of you. Even when you didn't know it, he was showing his love to you. God wants you to know him and love him because you're made to be known and loved by God. See, the most important thing you can know in life is that God loves you. And the most important thing that you can do back is to love him back. So when you get out of bed every morning, sit on the edge of your bed and say something like this, a little prayer. God, if I don't get anything else done today, at the end of the day, I want to show you affection and know your affection for me. Because if you pray that, if that's your reality, at the end of the day, no matter how bad the day has gone, no matter how many plans fell apart, if at the end of the day you know God's affection and show God affection, that day was a success. If you know God's affection for you, and you show God, God affection to him, 
today was a success. On the other hand, you can knock 24 things off your to-do list and achieve amazing goals if at the end of the day you don't know God's affection or you haven't shown your affection for God, that day was wasted. It's a failure because God didn't put, it, put us on this earth to check things off our to-do list. The first reason God put you on earth is to get to know him and to love him back. That's the purpose of your life. And you do it by expressing your affection to God. And God, by the way, has very deep feelings for you. Did you know that? Some of you think, God's too busy. He doesn't care about me. God doesn't even know my name. He does. He's never, in all the days of your life, he's never taken his eyes off of you. God is intimately acquainted with every area of your life. And he loves you so much. And he wants you to love him back. He's never too busy for you. In fact, the Bible says he has extremely deep feelings for you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. First Peter, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word. First John, your love, O oh God, is better than life. Psalm 63, God is passionate about you. He wants to be loved back. One of the things that hurt God most deeply and that he condemned in people most forcefully in the Bible was a religion, with, uh, a religion that was all ritual with no heart, all duty, no affection. Suppose you walked up to your wife and said, honey, here are some flowers for you. And she said, for me, what's the occasion? And you say, well, I know that this is what husbands do. And I thought you'd be pleased to know that you have a husband who knows his duty and is willing to do it. Would she be thrilled? No, why not? Because she wants you to love her passionately. She doesn't want duty. She wants desire. God doesn't want your duty. He wants your desire. God doesn't want... Oh, it's Sunday, I better go to worship. He doesn't want ritual or religion or rules. He wants a relationship and he's passionate about it. He says, I want you to love me like I love you because I made and created you. I love you. I want you to love me. So how can we show affection to God? Well, start just by saying thanks. Start looking around at everything and start thanking God. God, thank you for a beautiful sky today. God, thank you for green trees. Thank you for clean air. Thank you that I live in Canada and I have freedom. Thank you that I had something to eat, even if it was oatmeal. And you could go on and on. Everything you look at is here because of God. God, thank you for electricity. A lot of people don't have electricity. You could probably think of hundreds and hundreds of things just to start thanking God more for. Okay? That's a good way to start expressing your love to God. Of course, the greatest way to express your love through God 
is by giving yourself to him, by yielding yourself to him. At a wedding, two people stand up in front of each other and they do these things called vows. And they're saying, I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. I'm committing myself to you. That's the essence of love. You, can't, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So when you say, God, I want to express my love to you, you're saying, God, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. My soul is in your hand. I want you to take my life. That's the greatest way to express your love for God. Uh, Liz Curtis Higgs was one of the best-known disc jockeys in America, and she lived quite a wild life. In fact, if you're familiar, familiar with the name Howard Stern, Howard Stern was the AM show, and Liz Curtis Higgs was a PM show. And one day, Howard Stern said to Liz, you know, you need to clean up your act. Now, when Howard Stern <laughs> says you need to clean up your act, that's really something. So Higgs had been burned by so many men, and her heart had been broken, that she became a militant feminist. But she had a Christian friend who kept inviting her to go to church with her. So one day, after a long, long time, she said, okay, I'll go to church with you one time, but one time only. So she went to church one day with her friend. And that week, the pastor just happened to be teaching on the Bible verse that says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Now, that's not exactly a good way to start with a militant feminist. But she continued to listen, and she actually heard the second part of the verse. And husband, you sacrifice yourself. You give yourselves for your wives, just as Christ Jesus sacrificed himself for the church and died for her. Now, who is asked to give their life up? The husbands or the wives? The husbands. When Liz heard that, she leaned over to her friend and said with a little sarcasm, well, shoot, I gladly give my life to the man who would die for me. And her friend leaned over and said, Liz, there is a man who loved you enough to die for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. It was not long after that that she dropped her guard and gave her life to the Lord, and now she is a well-known Christian author and speaker. Some of you think, you know, I just don't love God enough. That is not your problem. Your problem is that you don't know how much God loves you. If you really knew how much God loves you, you would throw yourself at him and go, how can I not love a God like that? If you really knew how much God loves you and care about every detail of your life, you would say, God, I love you and I give myself to you, no holes barred. If we love God, it's because he first loved us. Worship is always a response. So worship is an expression of affection to God 
loving him passionately with all our heart and soul. And also worship is giving our attention to God. Giving our attention to God. Loving him thoughtfully with all our mind. In some religions, worship includes putting your mind in a neutral. Sort of lose your mind to the universe. Okay, I often lose my mind, but not necessarily to the universe. But God wants us to worship him thoughtfully. And that takes energy. It takes getting our minds focused on God, not just going through the motions, but really, really thinking about him. To listen to the teaching of his word. To pray. To sing the songs. To give your offerings or whatever. To do it thoughtfully with purpose. Which isn't always easy to do. Have we ever prayed on autopilot? You pray before a meal, you pray blah, 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 amen. You ever zone out in church? It takes energy and it takes attention to focus on God. You know why God wants your focus? God wants your focus because he is focused on you. Look at what the psalmist says in one, Psalm 139. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God has focused his attention on you. God pays constant attention to you. The reason he made you is to love you. Expression of love is to give attention. Sometimes guys will say, my wife, my kids, they say I don't love them. But I do things for them. I work every day for them. Why don't they feel loved by me? Because they want your attention. Intention is an incredible expression of love. And God puts his attention on us constantly. Remember the first time you fell in love? You couldn't get that person off of your mind. You thought about them when you woke up in the morning. You thought about them all day long. You thought about them through all of the recess. That's infatuation often for us, and it wears off. But the Bible tells us that his love for us is eternal. He wants, uh, he wants to teach us to focus our heart and attention back on him. That's difficult sometimes. Honestly, the easiest thing to do in life for us as human beings is to lose our focus. We're not like those cameras where you point it at something and it automatically focuses. It takes attention. It takes a desire. It takes a decision. It takes a choice to focus on things. Now, how do you do that? Because we're very easily distracted. We're self-centered by nature. We live in a self-centered culture. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Do not be formed, conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Focusing on God has incredible benefits in our lives. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 26, 
God will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast. Philippians chapter 4. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you focus on yourself, the inevitable results are thoughts of worry, insecurity, anxiety, guilt, fear, discouragement. But when that focus shifts from you to God, there's peace and joy, hope too. Worship, loving God, is giving him our affection and our attention, loving him with all our heart and soul, with all our mind, and is giving him our abilities. This is loving God with all your strength. And love is take more than words and kisses to express affection. There's another kind of love that you need to, to back it up. Sometimes there are chores to be done. Sometimes there are things that need to be fixed. Sometimes there are errands to be run. Sometimes there are responsibilities to be shared. And that's a practical thing where I use my abilities to show that this is not just words. I love my wife. And that's true in worship too. Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do. Now, what does that leave out? You don't have to join a monastery to worship more. If you go home today saying, if my number one purpose is to get to know and love God, then I should have a quiet time with God every day, several hours. No, you don't need to do that. Well, then I should come to church every time the doors are open. You don't need to do that either. It's not about that. Whatever you do, just change who you're working for. And when you change who you're working for, your work becomes worship. Don't compartmentalize your life saying, okay, here's my worship. I go to church once a week. Maybe I go to a small group once a week. Maybe have a daily quiet time. And then over here, this is my work life. And over here is my family life. God says, I want you to invite me into every area of your life. I want to be involved in all of it. Invite me into the whole thing. We sometimes think that to order our lives according to right priorities means God first, family second, job third, chocolate fourth. Well, maybe chocolate should be third. Agree. But that's wrong. It should be God first in your family. God first in your work. God first in your enjoyment of chocolate and all things. And life is not what you do that matters as much as matters who you do it for. And all of your work can be turned into worship. I don't care if you're a butcher, baker, a candlestick maker, maybe a carpet cleaner, maybe an attorney, maybe a nurse, you may be an at-home mother raising children, you may be an executive or manager or salesperson or truck driver, it really doesn't matter. It's who you do it for. A lot of people get hung up on this and they say, what is God's will for my career? 
God, should I do this or should I do that? And God often says, I think, I don't care. <laughs> I've wired you a certain way to like certain things, to have certain interests. Why don't you do what you're interested in doing? God doesn't care whether you're a truck driver or an attorney or a doctor or a nurse or whatever. God wants to know, are you doing it for me? Whatever you're doing. So if you're good at repairing things, you go out and say, God, I want to repair things this week as if you were my customer and I'm doing it for you. And if you're good at cooking, God, I'm going to cook this meal, whether it's for my family or restaurant, is that if, if you were at the table and you were my customer, make a meal for you. If you're good at filing and organizing. God, I'm going to file things, these things away as if I'm doing it for you. And I will love the people that I'm repairing things for and cooking and filing for because you love them. That turns work into worship. And then you're worshiping God 24-7, not just in church. God just doesn't want worship to be just a church thing. He does want it to be a church thing, but not just a church thing. He wants it to be your whole life. In the message, a paraphrase of the New Testament, it says in Romans 12, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, your walking around life, and place it for, before God as an offering. Worship doesn't only happen in church or in a small group or in your quiet time. It happens in the ordinary, routine, mundane things of your real life. We are created to love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. It is our purpose to worship God. Everything, everyone worships something. The wire to worship is in your DNA. You couldn't stop worshiping if you had to. That's why you can go to any culture in the world and find people worshiping. If you don't worship God, believe me, you'll find a substitute, even if it is just yourself. What are you worshiping? I'll tell you what. It is whatever you're giving your primary affection to, whatever you're giving your primary attention to, whatever you're giving your primary abilities to, some people worship your career, your career, and you're living for that job. Some of you are worshiping making money, worshiping retirement. Some of you are worshiping pleasure. Some of you are worshiping sex. Some of you are worshiping another person who dominates your whole life. Your total affection, attention, and ability goes to that person. The greatest temptation in your life and the worst sin is possible to commit is the temptation to worship something other than God. You say, well, that's not my problem. Yeah, it is, and it's my problem too. It's the number one problem in life because it is the root behind every other one of your problems. Whenever you love something more than God, you're gonna to have, to, have chaos, conflict, stress, and problems in your life. Always. Matthew chapter 6 says, Why do you worry about what you eat or wear? Pagans chase after these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness in all these things will be given to you as well. The greatest mistake you can make in life is to miss your primary purpose. So let me ask you the question. What do you think about the most? Because whatever you think about most is what you love the most. What do you think about when you let your mind drift? Did you know that your bank statements and your schedule, your day timer, are theological documents? Because it's the way that you spend your time and your money that shows what you love the most. The Bible says you were planned for God's pleasure. You were made to know and love God. So I challenge you to make your number one goal of your life before anything else, getting to love God back. Because that brings him pleasure. You make as your goal what Paul said, so we make it our goal to please him. Our goal in life is to love God with all our affection, attention, and abilities, to love him passionately with all our heart and soul, to love him thoughtfully with all of our minds, and to love him practically with all our strength. That's the purpose of your life. Amen. I'm going to call Oliver up and the praise team to lead us in worship.